Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Look, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, do you see it? Do you see it? Come on, just look at them. Do you see it? Do you see it? How many of you have ever had moments where you don't see it? Now, I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty intentional guy. I feel like I'm pretty focused. I feel like I don't miss a lot of things. But I had, I, I'm just going to tell you, I had a moment the other day. I had a moment in the house. Uh, it was dinner time, and the kids were all doing all of their stuff. And Katie was going in and out, taking people everywhere they were going. And I was like, I'm filling me some breakfast. Come on, where are my breakfast people at dinner? Breakfast at dinner. Come on. There's no shame in that game. And so I was like, I'm going to get me some eggs. I'm going to get me some sausage. And, and I'm going I'm to do it up. Come on. Man style, dad style, just me. I'm only fixing for myself. And so everybody's gone. I open up the fridge. I, I'm talking to my wife, and she's like, what are you going to eat? I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix sausage and eggs. And she's like, oh, that's going to be good. You know, and I'm like, well, you want it? And she's like, I don't want anything. I'm like, okay. And um, and, I, and I'm like, do we have sausage in the fridge? And she's like, yeah, 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 we have sausage. And I'm like, okay. Open it up. No sausage. And I'm like, oh, I can't eat eggs without sausage. <laughs> I mean, come on, first world problems. Like, a, like a, I'm, I've got to have more protein. And uh, she's like, I'm, I'm, it's so, I, I feel like there's sausage in there. I was like, there's no sausage. Uh, uh, my eyesight is great. I have great eyesight. And uh, um, I looked everywhere, and there, there's no sausage in the refrigerator. And um, she's like, I just really know there's sausage in there. And I was like, <laughs> you can look. She opens up the refrigerator. <laughs> this happens at y'all's house too? And she finds the sausage. And I'm like, you just put that in there. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, it was right here. And I was like, where? It was hidden behind. Where was it? And she said, well, you, you, just, you just needed to uh, look better. <laughs> and I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and, I, and I think that sometimes because of our busyness, because of where we expect things to be, we begin to miss perspectives. And I feel like a lot of times God is always telling us, look again, look again. You know, um, many times I would get a coffee cup. And I remember when I was dealing with a lot of young leaders, uh, I would set a coffee cup and I, I picked a cup that had something different on both sides. And I would ask them to describe to me the coffee cup. And they were so confident. It has this image. It has that. It has this. And I just said, well, um, actually it has this, this, and this. And they were like, no, it doesn't. I'm, I'm looking right at it. And then I would shift the coffee cup and there was another perspective. And I think that God is always trying to help us see from his perspective because we interpret everything only the way we see it. And I would want to challenge you today. I mean, my assignment today is look again. 
look, look again at what you see. Look at, again. And there's so many people that end marriages and, 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 and step away from relationships and have, have uh, elongated problems with family because they see a picture and they don't believe it can change and they walk away. And I'm telling you, listen, that, that for us, we believe that God begins to intervene, come on, in our lives and our families and everything. And it shift, shifts our perspective. And the Bible says that he can actually give you love for people that you normally wouldn't have. Come on, does that make sense? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. I want to, I'm going to put it up here on the screens. I want you to look at this with me. It says... Keep your life free from the love of money, okay? And be confident. Everybody say confident. I was not confident. I was actually the opposite of confident. Come on, everybody say confident. confident. That's what I'm talking about. Be confident with what you have. Be, be confident with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, I would like to suggest to you today that because of our experiences, sometimes we lack the confidence that God is going to come through and do what we ask him to do. And there is a position that we have to get to as a believer that our confidence isn't a form of manipulation that comes out of control. I get to control God, and if I control his uh, movements, and he answers all of my wish lists, and he begins to do everything that I expect him to do, then I'm going to be confident. But God is like, listen, faith is a key component to this whole thing, and you've got to be confident in my word and not try to control everything that I'm, I'm doing. For us, this verse in Hebrew is both uh, in Hebrews, is both challenging and clarifying. I want to talk about it. It's challenging because it implies that most of our anxieties come from the belief we don't have enough. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough talent. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough opportunity. We don't have enough uh, 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 attention. We don't, ha we don't have enough. We don't have enough. Come on, you may be a business, uh, uh, you may be in business and you have, you employ some people and you're frustrated because you're taking contracts, but you don't believe that you have enough qualified individuals to be able to produce the contracts that is actually going to help you get where you need to be. And we're always frustrated. Come on, I want to spend time with my kids, but I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And all of our life is being frustrated by what we don't have and we forget to be content. Come on. Believing this lie actually hurts our perspective concerning God's goodness. The feelings of pressure, discomfort, discouragement will attempt to push you into believing that you are stuck with no way out. We can't get, we can't get out of this marriage cycle. We can't get out of this frustration. We can't get out of this um, uh, issues with our, 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 our finances. We, we can't really break through. We've tried to 
And the end thought is, I don't, I don't have enough. And Paul is encouraging us, the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to look again. This passage is also clarifying. I would like to submit to you today that money isn't the thing holding you back. Come on, listen. Some of you are like, actually, it is. <laughs> so money isn't the thing holding you back. The money is not the helper. It's just a tool. And so money is a tool to, to advance and organize and fund our life. It, 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 it's an aid to us, but it's not the helper. And, and we have, believe, as believers, we don't lean on money. We lean on God. Money isn't the helper. It's a tool. This verse tells us who is the helper. Come on, help me. Who's the helper? God. Who, who, come on, who's the helper? God. The helper isn't you. It's not your gift. It's not your talent. Those are all ways that God begin to give you opportunities that your life would make a difference in the world. But the true helper, come on, is the Lord. I'm not suggesting that we can live without money, so don't, don't, don't come for me. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches us that we steward our money. But I am suggesting that many times our needs are misinterpreted. We get irritated when we wait. We get irritated when there's adversities. We get irritated, come on, when there are hard moments. And it is easy to confuse wants with actual needs. Come on. We see this on a small level when you're around kids. Come on. <laughs> I need a sucker. I just need it. Wait, you need it or you want it? Well, I need it. I need French fries from the New Wendy's in Peru. I need it. I need it. I need, and, and, and here's the thing is we, we look at that and go, oh, they're just immature. Sometimes they intermingle wants and needs. But even we get frustrated because of the hesitation, the, the, the lack of movement. And we feel like I am trapped. I am stuck. I have a real need when really it may be a want. It may be a want. We are frustrated. Come on, somebody, with interruptions. We fight anxiety when the problem is bigger than our resources. And we begin to think, I'm frustrated because I don't get to live the life I want. There's another mountain I want to climb, and I need to do it. There's another city I need to visit. And we're not saying that you shouldn't climb a mountain and go visit a city. But when your stress levels go up and your frustration goes up because you're not able to do the things you want and you are acting like those are needs, then we have to back up and go, am I content? 
I came to remind you that God is not asleep at the wheel and he is working. Like we're going to have to look again. Some of you medical bills may be starting to pile up. Look again. Others bills in this economy. Maybe it's stressing your supply. Look again. I need to tell you that maybe you're looking for the right job and you are frustrated because you're not getting the opportunities you need. Look, Look again. Look again. The Bible says that the Lord is our helper. Well, think about in your mind, let's visualize what a helper looks like. When I'm cleaning out my garage, come on somebody, I want a help. Y'all do too. Come on, I want a helper. I want a helper. When, When I'm trying to solve a problem, I want a helper. Come on, this is gonna catch everybody. When I am tasked to put the socks together, Y'all, some of y'all have got deep right there. Some of y'all have been avoiding the socks. Come on, for the last month. The Holy Spirit is telling you, get to the socks. I want a helper. When my wife has cooked a meal, she's like, I ain't cleaning this up. <laughs> you better find me a. <laughs> when my kids want to travel all over northwest arkansas they're looking for a come on listen i don't know who i'm talking to today but i I need you to know that the lord will not abandon you the lord will not abandon us in the days of unfair treatment or the or, or the feeling of being stuck the apostle paul is telling you look again there's something you may be missing there's something that you're focusing on that you're actually missing something that is god is doing in exodus chapter 3 verse 7 through 10 is a story of god and moses and god has a unique way of causing us to look at something again that we have already dismissed and i am hoping that today faith would come in your life and you would be like you know maybe i have ridden that off maybe i have said no maybe my heart is hard to some areas but actually god is wanting me to look again and step in faith let's look at this then the lord said moses and god are talking I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and they have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land, listen, this is important, flowing with milk and honey. I don't know if you are buying property thinking does it have milk and honey that's a really nice that's a really nice yard it's got some good square footage it's got some really nice sidewalks maybe you're like an acreage person you're like i, I want some, i want like 10 acres oh and i just want to let my realtor know i'm looking for some milk and honey i just i just need to know and, and it needs to have that this, this, and that. I want the I want the river in the back. You know what I'm saying? I don't want I don't I don't want the house on the curb. I, I want you know I want to be able to buy a, a riding lawnmower, and I want milk and honey. 
This is God describing to Moses what's already happening. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into this in just a second. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jezebites. Verse nine. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel have come to me, and I have also seen the oppress, oppression in which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Come on. That whole con conversation is like, that's a, that's a big one. I mean, what, what an honor to be chosen to partner with God to do something incredible. But also, what a heavy burden. Like, like what a responsibility to take on. And I think it's easy for us to extract from this text that there will be moments in our life where it is hard and we feel stuck and God is going to ask us to do something that we don't see how it can happen. God is going to ask us to forgive when we feel like they don't deserve it. God's gonna ask us, come on, to, 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 to give a time, a, a moment, a, a hospitality, open up our table. Well, God's gonna about to do, ask us to do something and <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the time. I don't have the ability. Here's what I want you to see is I think for us, the father is trying to change Moses' perspective and he's trying to download this concept that what you're looking at needs to shift. See, in this verse, it tells us that the father hears us. It hears us, he sees us, and he has provided a way for us to overcome, listen, every hardship. Um, I mean that what could be harder than being forced into compliance, bondage, as Egypt, the, the Egyptians, the taskmasters are totally, you have no freedom. You're told what to do. You're told what to build. You're told what, where to live. And the cries have gone out and God has finally heard. And I believe that some of you here are in this place where you are frustrated because you have been crying out for help. You've been crying out for provision. You've been crying out for opportunity. You've been crying out for a restored marriage. Like I'm crying out and I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't see you doing anything. Like some in this place are like, I, 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 I have a dream of starting a family or I have a dream of being married or I have a dream. And I'm going to be honest. I feel stuck. I feel like I don't have enough. And I'm kind of frustrated. And I know you're good, but I'm just mad. I'm mad. But here's what we see. That God has heard the cries and he knows the suffering and it is time for deliverance. Listen, listen I, I need you to dial in on this. The time is now and the place is ready. God has a place where milk and, and honey are flowing. Money didn't purchase this. It took God the helper to orchestrate this. And you have no idea the help that could be moving to Northwest Arkansas. You have no idea that this life group is going to open up an opportunity for you to meet a new friend. You have no idea what God is doing. Here is the concept. 
God created a, a covenant with Israel. And so, look, some of y'all, man, it's weird. We have a weird society now. So it's like uh, man and woman had a baby. 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 Okay? And they grew into this massive, large, millions of people. Well, where are a million people just going to roll up? You ain't coming to my house. You know what I'm saying? Well, we may do a plus three, we may do a plus five, but we ain't doing a plus like million. God, God did not incarcerate his people, but the whole time they were in pain, God was creating a place. Do you hear what I'm saying? So when you hear the word uh, milk and, and, and honey f were flowing, that means the place that God was taking them was fertile. Milk means that there were goats. Goats means that there were, were goats and sheep. Sheep means that there was meat. In other words, I have already provided for you what, come on, you're going to need. When it says bees, it means that if there are bees, there are plant life. Is there plant life? There's vegetation. If there's a vegetation, there's an ecosystem. In other words, you, what you thought wasn't available, I need you to look again because I'm actually moving and something is happening. Come on. Some of you are like, I just thought it was milk and honey. I never even thought about where it came from. See, a lot of times we're frustrated because we don't feel like God's working fast enough, but God is wanting to put you in places that are confident and sure. And I believe that he's bringing you the right people. I believe that our body is going to be able to turn our cries of desperation into continual praises of provision. That this is what God's going to do. God always will provide, listen, for the vision that he has set. God didn't save you to destroy you. Now that doesn't, I'm not saying that you're not going to experience pain. So don't, don't. The reality is this. God saved you because there was a purpose. And actually the Bible says that you didn't choose him, that he chose you and that he's been running after you your whole life. You may not have known it, but the Bible says that he has been coming for you. Here's the thing that I want us to unpack. When we talk about pain, and I want our church to have a good theology of, of pain. God uses pain he uses it he doesn't cause every pain in your life God is not trying come on listen to hurt you he is wanting to move you God is wanting to move you come on listen into new places into with new strategies God is with, with new perspectives pain is a way of getting our attention the other day I was playing basketball with some men from the church who played over here at Olive Street I begin to say, how old are you? How old are you? How old are you? The oldest person was 34. I'm 47. <laughs> they left the court and all got milkshakes. I left the court and took an Epsom salt bubble bath. I walked into the house, ah, ah, ah. And she's like, what happened to you? And I was like, 
play basketball. She was like, you, you play basketball uh, a lot, and that doesn't ever happen. And I was like, I play against Sage, my son, who's 12 years old. There were other men, and they had a lot of muscles. <laughs> Here's what I discovered. I discovered that I, I was not in the healthy shape that I thought I was, and pain was an indicator, come on, listen, that we're going to have to work this temple out a little bit better. Most of the things that we do in our church, see, pain produces burden. And if we actually want God to remove all of our pain, then you're actually asking God to remove all of your discovery. Because most of the time, pain causes you to discover something. Come on, listen, that you would not have discovered unless there was a painful moment. I meet people all the time that they have desires for ministry, desires to help kids, desires to help orphans, desires to help single moms, desire to help. Well, where did that come from? Sure, maybe a, a certain percentage is like I saw a commercial, but usually the things that are our burden are the victories that we came out of. And because we came out of it, like we want to help someone else in it. And I want you to know that what God did in my life, God can do in your life. And it may like really suck right now, but I'm telling you that God can totally change your life. Come on. That's one of the reasons. We, we care about every generation. Like we, we want 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds to fulfill the calling of God on their life. Like, you know, we, we, we don't want to be a young church, but most church plants are a young church. You want to know why? Uh, because most people in their mid-life and older uh, have already taken a, a lot of risk on people who don't know how to do anything. And so they look for something more established. But as we're becoming established, we're starting to see more families, more age, does that make sense? Because I'll be the first to tell you. The first year, we had no idea. What we were like, when you want to start, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't, we didn't have any professionals. <laughs> uh, you know, we had moms and college students. I mean, it was, uh, not that moms aren't professional. Don't, don't send me an email. <laughs> uh, but as we've been growing... And there is some systems and some safety and some safeguards and a, a board. and a, a, well, well, now it's like, hey, I think I might give this a try. And so that, that's how something grows. You know, but everything grows through pain. When, when you're married, can I just tell you, I'm going to talk to all of you married right now. Uh, the first baby that you're creating is your usness. And I meet so many people that are like, I'm going to get married, but I'm never going to change who I am. You ain't, ain't going to be married long. Because the truth of the matter is, I have been myself my whole life. And Katie is totally opposite of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like she's everything good, and I'm different. <laughs> but... But as we begin to do life, guess what? There are things that I'm not trying to do because I'm creating us. 
And there are things that she's not trying to do and creating us. And in a world that in the last 15 years has tried to shove an ideology down your, your throat that says, be you, do you, don't change you, don't whatever. That don't work. And I'm not saying that you can't do some of the things that you want to do. We both are doing what we want to do. But I realized that I'll never have a motorcycle. I think I could be really cool on a motorcycle. You know what I'm saying? Hit the motor. But she has told me, we will never do that. And I was like, mm. okay. <laughs> my, my point is that in marriage, the goal isn't that I win, it's that we win. It's that we're creating this usness that we begin to form, listen, the family and, and the life and the, what God wants to do with us, not what God wants to do with me. And all I'm telling you is that has formed because of pain. When I said something I shouldn't have said, come on, somebody. And she let me know, don't say that. Oh. In life, pain helps you create and make discoveries. It helps you learn things that you wouldn't normally learn. It helps you get into worlds that you wouldn't normally get into. It helps you understand people and where they're at and their story and their background. And I just need the church to be aware that God has an answer for pain, but he's not wanting you to avoid it. He's wanting you to overcome it. Come on, somebody. God always has provision for the vision. Provision doesn't mean entitlement. It means inheritance. Inheritance means that God has something good for us and there are seeds of multiplication that can happen in your life. Property, inheritance, heritage, something that you're coming into something. Entitlement means that somehow you have these privileges and special treatments and you're better than someone else and that's not the kingdom. The God's creating sons and daughters, not people who are entitled. Sons and daughters are people who, like my son and my daughter, uh, they, can, they, can, they can do anything they want in our house, but before they go to bed, they better turn off that light. <laughs> they better lock that door. Don't leave that cereal bowl out because you a son up in this. Come on. Entitlement is, I thought this was a hotel and everything's mine and you'll do everything for me. Now. Nah. And God's not going to do that either. Come on, does that make sense? For us, Moses had felt the pain of his people. He wasn't blind to what was going on. In fact, he tried to do it even in his own power. And he ended up killing an Egyptian guard who was beating one of his people. Moses was in hiding. He fled because Pharaoh wanted him dead. And the Lord starts having a conversation about the children of Israel, and he taps out and says, I've already tried it. Actually, it didn't go well. Kind of killed someone. I don't know if I'm your man. But God is wanting Moses, come on, to look again. Now, you would think after the burning bush moment that Moses would be all in. But instead, he actually has a deep, listen, 
revealing conversation with God. And I am convinced that before there is any movement in your life spiritually, you're going to have to have a deep, revealing conversation with God that handles the thought, I don't have enough. Okay, so here were Moses' response. I'm always interested in responses. Like, How do people respond to adversity? How do people respond to Moses had six responses. I'm going to break these down into probably four questions. But, but, and you can just write this down. I'm going to be really fast. Exodus 3, 11, uh, after God delivers the, here's what I want you to do. Moses responds with, who am I? I can't do this. In Exodus 3, 13, uh, what will the people say? If, what, what do I say to the people if they question me? Exodus 4.1, uh, they're not going to believe me at all. Exodus 4.10, you know I can't even speak well, right? Exodus 4.13, please send somebody else. Moses needed to answer these four questions before he moved. And I'm going to be honest, these are the same four questions that I have to answer every time I'm getting ready to take another step. Here are the four questions. They're going to put them up there. What will people say? What if I don't know the answers? Come on. What about my limitations? What if I don't want to? This, these are the four questions. God is trying to move Moses. God is trying to move people. And here's the deal. Most of the time when I talk to people about their business, about leadership, about their family, about marriage, come on, about their kids, about whatever, the problem is where they believe I don't have enough, the, one of these questions are the issue. What will people say if I move them from this school and put them in this school? What will people say if I switch this job? What will people say if if we begin to do this, what if I don't know the answers to the question? What if I get questioned by my family? What if I get questioned by my friends? What if I get, and I don't have any answers? Like, I think that's one of the reasons that we're not seeing the church, like, explode. Because people are hurting, they're scared, they're wondering what's going on in our culture. But because we don't feel like we have a theology degree, we would rather put our head down because we don't have enough answers. So I can't really, like, do anything. I just need you to talk to the church staff member. When really answers come in evolutions. Meaning like I step out a little bit, I learn something. I step out a little bit, I learn something. I Depth comes as you begin to step into moments. And so there are things that you will never know and never learn unless you take that first, come on, listen, step. What about my limitations? Do you know that I have ADD? Do you know that I, I, I have lack of focus? Do you know that I have this? Do you know I have? Do you know I have? Do you know I have? Do you know that I don't really like, I, I get overwhelmed by people. Do you know that I get, whatever your issue, whatever your thing. And I see it all the time. See, God wants to promote you, and your boss has been maybe talking to you about promotion, and you're like, oh, no. No, I'm not signing up for that. I know what that means. That means more work. But when we really deal down, come on. There's a part of us that feels called to more. There's a part of us that are frustrated that we don't have more. But every time we get an opportunity for more, we're always thinking about our limitations. 
come on, like, what if I don't want to? And, and, and honestly, like, there's a lot of people there. What if I want to, I don't want to go to a life group. I don't want to do this. I don't want to extend. I don't want to do this. I don't, I, 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 I just don't want to do it. And just being transparent, these are the same questions that get me stuck when Katie and I are working on our marriage, when Katie and I are working on our parenting, when we're working on our finances, we're taking a step toward God, we're, we're trying to handle the responsibilities of our church, we're trying to run business, it is always, what will people say? What if I don't have the answers? What about my limitations? What if I don't know what to do? And just like that, we can push back when God begins to speak to us, believing that we don't have enough and there's nothing we can do. And in my ignorance, I have accepted many times the lie, I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough ability. I don't have enough. In the middle of this conversation, Moses and God are discussing and it's clear where Moses is looking. Listen to this. He isn't looking to God. He's looking to obstacles. He isn't looking at what God can do, he's looking at the difficulties. He is looking at all of the unanswered questions and he is unable to move because of all the things that he's thinking about. But right now, in this conversation, God interjects and says, what is in your hand? Come on, listen. What is in your hand? This is huge. Let's read this verse. Exodus chapter 4, five, 2 through 5. The Lord says, what is in your hand? He said, a staff. Come on, it's so funny. I, if I was Moses, I'd be like, uh, you, you're God, right? Like, it's a stick. People call it a staff. They use it for walking, sheep, things. All right. He says, throw it on the ground. God told him to throw it on the ground. He threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it, I, I guess. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put it out, his hand, he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand and that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to you. This verse goes on and God actually gives him three signs that God's going to be working. The first is the staff. The second God tells him, put your hand in your coat, pull it out, and it, he had leprosy on his hand, put it back in, and it went away. And the third was, if they don't believe the stick, if they don't believe the hand, if they don't believe the diseases, then the last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the whole Nile River into blood. And so some of us Getting to the place where we're like, God, I know you can do all of this. And, and if I was Moses, I would be like, let's just do all three right now. Let's just have this big conference and, and, and let's throw down sticks and make them snakes. That'll be kind of like the party trick. And then, like, let's give everybody leprosy and then, like, make it all disappear. And then when they walk out, we'll all go bathe in the Nile and let's make it all blood. And let, it'll be like a wham, wham, wham. And we'll just get it all done. We can be free. I think we probably could wrap this thing up in a bow. Like a day or two? And that's how, what we want from God because our, we feel like our need is so intense and our want is, want is so intense that we want God to like open heaven and do everything right now. But here's what I want you to know. God starts with staffs. 
In other words, if you don't use what you have, why would God bring you into bigger miraculous moments? You've got to, come on, listen, use what you have. Because obeying God, listen, it doesn't always make sense. Obeying God sometimes is scary. I mean, reach down and touch the snake that actually is a staff that I'm totally confused because I don't know what's going to be. God is showing Moses the progression of how mighty moments happen. Your staff is your start. Your staff is where you begin. God was able to turn something dead into life. He was able to use something normal to catch Pharaoh's attention. Something miraculous happened when Moses let go of his staff. And I believe that today, listen, some of you need to look again. Don't let your current reality hinder your perspective. Don't let the pressure that you feel cause yourself, come on, listen, to doubt God's goodness. A supernatural development is happening right now. Come on, wives. You're so in hurry for your husband to change that you have wanted this miraculous altar moment when he comes down to the altar, says he's sorry for everything, and that is how you have imaged it. But the truth is, you don't know in the truck or in the car, he's listening to podcasts. And God is moving. And he's starting to get softer. And he's starting to change. Come on, husbands. We want it to happen this way. And we're so frustrated that it's not happening this way. And I need you to look again because two years ago, y'all fought every time you came to church. And now she's like, let's go. Come on. Look again. Don't give up on your marriage. Look again. Don't go back to an addiction. Look again. Stop believing that you're stuck and there's no way out. Look again. Refuse the lie that says, I don't have enough. Look again. What do you have? What can you do? What can you give to the Lord? What talent, gift, or ability have you reduced down to ordinary, which has caused you to overlook it? Look again, Moses. Look again, sir. Look again, come on, teenager. Look again, college student. Let's go back to our verse. Pan, y'all can come on up. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. But keep your life free from the love of money and be content, listen, with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, so that we can confidently, come on, come on, do we have some confident believers? Confident. I don't know how God's going to do it. And I don't know what God's going to do. But I am confident that he is not going to leave us. Come on, he's not going to forsake us. And some of you need to rehearse the last part of this line. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And you need to be saying that over and over again when you walk into your, your, your job. You need to say it over and over again when you're wanting to have a courageous conversation with your teenager. You need to say it over and over again. Come on. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me?
Come on, we need some confident Christians. Not cocky, confident. Believers who encourage everyone to like, look again. Believers that don't quit when adversity happens, but they press through because supernatural support, come on, listen, is on the way God's working. We gotta respond in faith that God will move, listen, on your behalf. And here's what I need you to know. I can't tell you how he's going to do it. I can't tell you when he's going to do it. I can't tell you who or what he's going to use. But I am confident he will. Come on, all over this place, say that. He will. He will. He will. Listen, what, what will people say? What if I don't know the answers? What about my limitations? What if I don't want to? And those are the questions that I'm hoping that you ask yourself today. Like, am I, am I really held up? Or do I feel like I'm trapped and I have forgotten to look again at what I have and what I know? Because here's why I say this. In the Bible, it says that God always gives seed to the sower. In other words, you may not have an orchard, but you have seed. You may not have a full vineyard that's producing, but you have seed. And I am telling every one of you, the seed of a great marriage, the seed of a thriving business, the seed, the seed, the seed is in you right now. And you will have to figure out the pain that produces discovery. Come on. You got to build this life. You don't get to find it. And God has given us, listen, everything we need. And so here is my question to ask you that I want you to think about for the next 20 seconds. What has God given you that you may have overlooked? What has God given you that you may have overlooked because you're looking at pictures of things that you don't like? that you're not even seeing, come on, what you have. And there's been many times when I've had to pull back the reins because I'm like, oh, we're way too busy. Our kids are, you know, whatever. And then my, my wife or the Lord has to go, your kids are awesome. I think it's going great. They love to laugh. They're making good decisions. They're, you know, because I'm not content because I always want, come on, more. But the way more comes is, is, is looking back and going, what do I have? What has God been doing? Where were we at a year ago? Where was I at two years ago? Look at what God has done. And now we're scared about what could happen in the next six months? Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.